Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Amen. All right, let's get to running with the giants. Everybody say running with the giants. Now today, we're going to be talking about this woman named Esther. Let me, let me just stop for a minute and, and just give you my definition of what running with the giants means. Uh, uh, in this series, and we're going to go through this series, the rest of July, with the exception of the last Sunday, and the last Sunday, our own Philip Daigle is going to be back in the house preaching for us and really looking forward to seeing him and Annie and the boys and and really know that that's going to be a great Sunday. But, but in this series, Running with the Giants, we are going to look at Bible characters that have just had a great impact on our walk with God, on our walk of faith. And, and, and I find this passage of Scripture in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, 1. This is really the, the foundation of our series. And it says there in Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so, uh, which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So, so Paul is writing this, or the writer of Hebrews is writing this, and it's following this incredible chapter, chapter 11. We, we know and recognize that chapter 11 is the uh, hall of faith, the, the, the chapter that talks about these incredible men and women that lived for God and, and, and walked in faith. And, and, and if we go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and, and we read that first verse, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Now, if you're anything like me, I was raised in the church. When you read that scripture, your first uh, thought is, what in the world does that mean? I mean, it, it really is one of those things that is so, um, it, it's deep. It's something that you have to live out to really uh, understand it. I mean, how can uh, there be a substance of things that are hoped for? And how can there be evidence of things not seen but I'm thankful that the writer of uh, Hebrews didn't end there because he goes on throughout that chapter talking about how this is lived out in lives of people that, that really trusted God. And, and while Hebrews chapter 11 and 1 may be the definition of faith, throughout the chapter we see the demonstration of faith. We see how men and women walked in faith and how faith is not just to be defined, but it is something that should be demonstrated in the lives of people on a daily basis. So um, he says, therefore, at the beginning of that chapter, uh, chapter 12 and verse 1, therefore, in other words, because of all that I've said in chapter 11, all, all of the miracles and all of the, the, uh, the, the endurance and all of the men and women that that walk their story of faith out, it, it gives us the example on how we also should walk by faith and, and especially at walking by faith to be a demonstration to the world around us, the world that is full of confusion, the world that is full of strife, the world that is full of doubt. And, and, and this is our chance to walk out the faith so that people can see 
that there truly is something to a walk with God. I, I love how the writer says a cloud of witnesses. And, and what he's saying there is there's this great number of people, a multitude of people that are watching us, that have gone before us, and that are united to see that we can do it also. They've gained God's approval. They are this great cloud of witness that, that have walked through it. And now they're living their, they have lived their life, and, and it's like a coach that is encouraging his team, hey, you can do it. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do it. You can do it. That's what he's saying here. And that's what this passage of scripture is saying here. And so when it says we can do it, that means they've done it. They've set the example. And now we know how we should go. I, I, I want to study. I want to study these characters. I, I want to know about these characters. I, I want to, to learn how they failed. Because in the hall of faith, in that 11th chapter... There are many of the characters that are mentioned there that had failures in their life. But I want to know how they failed so that I can avoid that failure. But I also want to know how they failed because if I fail also, I want to get up. Anybody want to get up? Has anybody in the room ever gotten up from a failure? Of course we have and we want to learn those things. And just as we learn from their failures, we also want to learn how they ran well. What, what, was, the, what was their purpose? What was their faith? What, how did they overcome? How, how, what battles did they fight? And, and how did they win victories in those battles? Because many of us will fight the same type of battles. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. The things that attack them are going to attack us. The temptations they face are the temptations that we're going to face. The self-doubt, the low self-esteem, all of the things that still plague us today when we try to do something for God is something that they walk through and something that we have to overcome. So as we read this and as we walk through this passage for us to run with the giants, according to the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, there's three things that we need to do. Let me just read that verse again. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily ensnare us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the first thing we need to do is unload the baggage, get rid of the baggage, get rid of the things in our life that, that distracts us from living for God. And, and especially when we're talking about running a race, there's there, that extra weight. We don't need that. We want to be as light as possible. We want to remove those things. The second thing we do is we shed the sin which blocks our fellowship with Christ, which causes us to be hindered and many times would disqualify us from the race if we don't remove that from our life. And then the third thing is we must, we must just stay at it. Just, just be uh, that person that says, I'm going to go till the end. I'm going to endure. I'm not going to give up. And, and when it gets tough, I'm going to stay in the race. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep my pace. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to endure till the end. And I am going to make it. So... That's just a little synopsis of what our running with the giants is all about. And today, we're going to talk about Esther. Now, Esther um, 
would talk to us if she could today. And, and, and this is one of the things that I feel like would be her message. If she was here today and she could look back on her life, I think one of the things that she would tell each and every one of us is there were, that we're not here by accident. That we're not here by accident. I, I think she would tell us that we have a purpose, that, that, that we have something that God has called for us to do. I, I think if she could put it in words that we would really grasp and understand, she would say, when you are uncertain about your purpose, God has a place for you. When you are uncertain about your purpose, God has a place for you. Let's, let's jump into this story of Esther. I'm going to read from chapter 2, verse 5 and 7. In Shushan, the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shemel, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, a Benjamite from Jerusalem, um, I'm sorry, verse 6. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And Mordecai, listen to this, had brought up Hadasha, that is Esther. So she had a Jewish name, Hadasha. She also had a Babylonian name, which is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. She's an orphan. Esther is an orphan. Her mother and father have died. Her uncle has taken her and he's taken care of her. And the young woman was lovely and beautiful. And when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Now, we could just stop right there and I could pe preach a very powerful message just about how God sees those that are broken about how God sees those that seem like there's no place for them. And, and this is a beautiful message for everyone who has ever experienced brokenness in your life. Is there anybody in the room that's ever experienced brokenness? I, I know you have. I, I can see the faces of people that I have spent time talking to. And I, I, I know that you have gone through times of brokenness. I, I, I know in Houston that there are people there. I can, I can see you in my mind today as you're sitting there that, that you've gone through times of brokenness. There, there may be somebody here or in Houston that even today you're, you're dealing with that brokenness. And, and for anyone who has ever been crushed by life or anyone that has felt like our past has just been so horrible or, 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 or so disjointed. This is a story that really speaks to you today and will tell you it doesn't matter what you've gone through, God has a purpose for your life. As a matter of fact, if you look at Esther's life, it seems to be so fractured. It, it, it seems to be so broken that there's no way in the world that, that God could make reason of it. There's no way in the world that God could make meaning of this. I mean, think about this little girl who has lost her parents. She's in captivity. She's being raised by an uncle. I don't see in the scripture where it talks about Mordecai's wife. So that had to be a difficult situation, being raised by a man. Just the, the, so many things that had to be, uh, not having the woman's touch in our lives. So many things just seem to be uh, different from her. And, and, and I think that when we look at the life of, is, of Esther, there are some unforgettable lessons that we can learn. 
I, I think about this little girl and I, I think about how she probably spent many nights with her heart broken. Many nights crying out uh, over the death of her parents, over her situation, over, over what's going on in her life. An, an orphan at a young age and, and, and because I have dealt with so many orphans in the Philippines and spent time talking to them, I, I know the, the depth of their hurt. The, there are times when I'm talking to those kids and I'll just say something about their past and I can hear their breath catch and, and I watch as tears run down their eyes. There, there's just something about that type of life that is so broken and so hurtful and and, and, and here's Esther, she's an orphan at a young age. And yet, the, the incredible story is that somehow, some way, she is going to become the key to the survival of her people. This little girl, this broken little girl, this, this little girl that has gone through so much and, and life doesn't seem to make sense for her, she is going to become the key of survival for the Jewish people that are living in captivity in this land of Babylon. And, and, and I'm sure that, that Esther felt like she didn't have a place. I, I'm sure she felt like she didn't fit in. I, I'm sure that she felt like she didn't belong. I'm sure she felt like that there was no place for her. But, but the truth is, while she had circumstances that really uh, uh, accented those feelings, haven't we all felt at one time or another that I don't fit in? H haven't we all at one time or another felt like I don't know where my place is? H haven't, have, hasn't everyone in this room at one time or another say, I just don't know where I belong? We, we've all had feelings like that at one time or another. I know that I've dealt with those feelings many times in my own life and just talking to people through the years. I know that that is an issue that many people deal with. Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? How do I find my place? I just want to tell you something today from the story of Esther. God has a place for you and God has a purpose for you. God has a place for you and God has a purpose for you. I, I was reading this scripture from the book of Psalms chapter 33 and verse number 11. It really hit my heart and it says it like this. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. Everybody say forever. Everybody in Houston say forever. It, it, it's forever. And, and this is what the scripture goes on to say. His intentions can never be shaken. It can never be shaken. I, I, I know that many times we look at life around us and we wonder, God, what's going on? But the truth is, God's plan will be worked out in every generation. There has never been a generation in the past that God's plan didn't work out. And there'll never be a generation going forward where God's plan is not worked out. As a matter of fact, God is working today for this generation. Anybody believe me with that? God is working today for this generation. And, and this is what we believe at Life Church. We believe at Life Church that, that God wants you to find your place in the kingdom of God. And we want to make sure that we partner with people so that God can lead you and guide you and move you into the ministry that he has called you to. Uh, we've, we've had a, a, a program or, or a ministry that, that we've gone through for years and 
and we started it as Discover Life, and then it became Growth Track, and it's available online for you if you want to go through our Growth Track online. But, but starting in the month of uh, July, uh, I'm sorry, in the month of August, we're going back to the Discover Life. We just felt like this fits us. We're revamping that. We really feel like that God wants to use that ministry to help people come on board and become a part of the ministry, to be lifers, to be people that are used by God. And so I just encourage you, if you haven't gone through it, go through it this month, get back into it in the month of July, uh, in the month of August, I'm sorry, and let's find what God's place is for us, what God has for your life, what ministry God has put inside of you and how he wants to unfold that so that you can find your place and find your purpose. Looking at the circumstances in the time of, of Esther, here's a young girl, here is a girl that is an orphan and it seems impossible that she would play such an important role in the history of the Bible and of God's chosen people. It just, it seems unlikely. It seems impossible. And, and, and how is it that this kind of story can even take place? I'll just tell you how it can happen. It happens because God is at work. Even if you don't see him, God is at work. And this is what I know, that God and God alone can bring about things such as this. This isn't happenstance. This, is something, this isn't something that Esther just fell into. This isn't accidental. This is the hand of God to place somebody in a position of great influence. So at the moment that she is needed, God will use her in a mighty way to save his people. I, why do I say that? Because I see throughout history that God has done this same thing. Over and over again, we see people that God has placed purpose in and he brings them to the forefront at the right time. Throughout the history of mankind, we've seen people step forward to fight against evil, to, to deliver a message, to pray a prayer, to, to lead a movement, to, to bring people free. I, I, I see it over and over again. And while we may not know it, God is working silently and invisible in the culture that we're even living in today. And in a moment where people are saying church is dead and there's people that are walking away from church, this is what I think. It gives us the great opportunity to be the church that God has called us to be and to see an incredible move of God in the day that we are living. Uh, wait, wait, pastor, you, you're, you're going too far. This culture is too tough for God. <laughs> this culture is too far from God. Please, if God could send Jonah to a place called Nineveh, a wicked city that was full of murderers, and bring them to a prayer of repentance, don't you know that God can do it today to any nation on the face of the earth? Amen. The end of the story has not been written yet, and God's hand is on it to write it and for his will to be done. God is working today. God is working today. And so I want to take the last little part of my time here today and talk about how you find your place. So the first thing that you do, according to this running with the giant named Esther, is if we're going to find our place, it requires great faith and trust. Great faith and trust. Let's read 
in chapter 2, verse 17, the king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. There's a lot of story there, but the ultimate end of the story is that the king chose her, this unknown orphan girl, to become his queen and put her in a place of great authority and great influence. Now, I know that we see this as Esther just won a beauty contest. And, and, and listen, I, I understand that. I understand that she was the big winner. But I also want you to understand that her purpose was so much more than just a beautiful face. And, and, and I'm sure that when she won that uh, contest and became the queen, she felt completely over, uh, out of her place and overwhelmed. I, I, I'm sure that she felt like that there was, uh, uh, what in the world do I do next? But I want you to listen to this. No place is out of place when you are in God's place. I, I'm going to say that again. Because while she was in a position that she was um, not qualified to feel, and while she's in a position that, that really uh, calls her to be probably scared and worried and uh, wondering what was going to happen, and, and, and a little orphan girl that's been living with her uncle is now in the palace with all of these people serving her, waiting on her, uh, pampering her, and, and, and God preparing her to step onto the stage of life. I, I want to say it again, no place is out of place when you're in God's place. Can I just talk about today? Can I talk about July the 3rd and you're in Life Church? You're here in the Friendswood campus. You're there in the Houston campus. You're watching online. I just want you to know today that you're not out of place. There is a reason that we are in this house on this day and at this moment. There is a reason that God has called us here. Well, pastor, this is just what I do every day. Well, guess what? Sometimes God uses our everyday schedule to interrupt our life and to change our life and to bring purpose to our life. And I just want to tell you today that you're not out of place. I wish that someone in this room in Houston online, I wish that you would just trust God today. I wish that you would have faith that maybe on this Sunday, God wants to speak to me. Maybe on this Sunday, God has something for me. Maybe on this service, God wants to do something in my life that he has never done before. Well, pastor, I'm just here. Uh, I'm just passing time because I've got a big celebration tomorrow. I'm going to relax. I understand that. But for just a moment, can we put ourselves in the situation where we say, God, I trust you for the rest of this service. Will anybody join me in that? God, I trust you. If you have a word for me, if you have a place for me, if you have a plan for me, then God, I want what you want for my life. I will trust you. I'll have faith. I, I could tell you time and time again on services that just seem to be ordinary in my life, God spoke to me a word that changed my life. 
I can tell you about services like uh, the New Year's Eve service uh, on 1989 when I was listening to the preaching. And at the end of the preaching, I went back behind the stage there on Broadway, 2950 Broadway. And I found a place where I could be all by myself. And God spoke some things into my life that I was like, what? I had preached three sermons in my life and none of them were any good. And God told me behind that stage that night, this year I'm establishing a pulpit, a platform for you to minister in. And I thought, how in the world is this going to happen? I didn't know how it was going to happen. But in July of that year, I was voted in as the pastor of Life Tabernacle Southwest. And God gave me what he promised me. I just thought it was another service. I could tell you about a service when I was 21 years of age and I walked in to Life Tabernacle on Broadway and my life was not what it should be and God changed my life. Somebody have faith here today that this can't be just another Sunday but that God has purpose for it. I'm preaching to someone today. You may have come in broken. You may have come in without any purpose in your life. You may have come in without any direction in your life. But let's just have a little faith right now that God sees each and every one of us just like he saw Esther. And God will do something amazing if we'll open up our heart and say, God, I need you. I trust you. I have faith that you will do what's best for me. My goodness. That is such good preaching. I'm going to listen to this tape or this tape. I'm dating myself. I'm going to watch YouTube and see this when I get home. So the second thing, if I'm going to find my place, I've got to have great courage. Everybody say great courage. This is what the scripture says, Psalms 31, 14, and 15. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemy and from those who persecute me. This is what, this is what courage means. Courage means I'm going to step up. Courage means I'm going to step into what God has for my life. I'm going to take the step of faith that God has called me to walk in. I'm going to take the step of faith into the purpose that God has placed in my life. I was telling somebody the other day, because I have been raised in a great church, we spent many years where there was a Bible college just right down the road from our church, and there was hundreds of those Bible college students that came to our church through the years. I've heard many people talk about what God had called them to do, only to see that it never materialized because they were afraid to take that first step of faith, that courage that needs to happen if you're going to step into what God has for you. That This is the, the promise and the principle that is in the word of God. If you take a step of faith, God is going to be there with you. God is going to be there with you. And we see that here in the book of Esther. I'm just going to quickly summarize the third chapter. I don't have time to read it today. But, but there was this man that was appointed as like the second man in the kingdom. His name was Haman. He was, he was given much authority, much power, and, and he loved it. He absolutely loved the authority. He loved the attention. And, and everywhere he went, people are bowing down to him. People are saying, man, he's awesome, except Mordecai. 
Esther's uncle. He would not bow because he was a worshiper of the one true God. He's not going to worship any man. And so when Haman would come by, everybody would hit their knees. They'd be bowing and they'd look over and they'd just see Mordecai standing there. He's not going to bow. And, and, and the guys started talking to Haman. I can't believe that he's doing you that way. I, I, I can't believe that he would treat you that way until finally Haman went into the king and said, listen, there is a group of people in our country that do not support you. They will not bow their knee to you. They serve this God of, of Judah. They, 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 don't, they don't in any way recognize the authority that you have. And, and this is what I think we should do. I think we should kill them all. And you know what the king said? Okay, let's do it. And so there's a law passed that every Jew in the country, every one of those people that were taken captive and brought there, all of their descendants, they were going to be put to death. And Mordecai hears it and he comes to the palace to see Esther and give her the warning. He can't even see her face to face because there's so much separation and he's sending messages back and forth. And this is one of the things that he told them in verse 13 of the fourth chapter. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place because God's will is going to be done. I'd rather be a part of God's will than outside of God's will. It's going to be done, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Powerful words. Some of the most powerful words that have ever been written. This may be it, Esther. Think about where you're at. Think about where you came from. This could be the moment that God has you at this place for this time. She was placed there for this moment. And you know what happens when you see this is my moment? You have to have courage. You have to have courage to say, okay, Lord, this is what you've called for me to do. It's not what my friends are doing, but I'm going to step into what you have called me to do. And I'm going to respond with courage. Number three, finding your place requires Great focus on God. Because this is what I have found. Many people, when God puts purpose in their life and plan in their life, the first thing they do is start listing all of the reasons why they can't do it. I can't do it. I have low self-esteem. I don't have enough confidence. I can't speak well. I don't talk good. <laughs> I'm not good talker. Whatever it is. You know, you just make these excuses. You make these excuses over and over again. And this is what I would say about finding your place. Get your eyes off yourself and trust God. Get your eyes off yourself and trust how God has called you. Esther, of course, was helpless by herself. I mean, God brought her to this place. She, there, there's no way she's going to achieve what God wants unless God is with her. And isn't that the way we want it? If God calls me to do something, I don't want him to shoo me out there and say, okay, now go do it. I want him to go with me. <laughs> I need him. And that's the beautiful thing about the call and the purpose of God. He's never going to call you to do something or give you a purpose in your life that, where he's not involved in it. 
He is the one that has the power to fulfill it. And, and we have to get our eyes off of ourselves and off of our limitations and focus on the power of God. This is what Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Esther chapter 4 verse 16. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. Esther turns toward God. You know what? We need to turn to God. Because God is the creator, right? God is the designer. He he designed me. He, He is the architect of my life. And he knows what I need. He knows what is even missing from my life. My, my dad told this story many times as I was growing up and, and I've, I've always been intrigued by it that, that there was a, a new a skyscraper built, high-rise building. Skyscraper may be an old term. I don't know. I'm old, but, but a, a high-rise. And, and as soon as they got it built, there, there were flaws in the building. They started noticing cracks. They started noting seeing that plumbing was leaking. They started, they started doing all of these checks, and, and, and it was just flawed. It was dangerous. It was becoming unsafe. And, and the builders were there, and they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't decide what was wrong. And finally, they, they called in the, the architect. And, and he, he looked at the plans, and he walked around, and he got down into one of the lower levels, and, and he stopped, and he said, there's supposed to be a wall right here. There's a wall missing. And somewhere in the process of building, someone decided that that particular wall wasn't important and and left it out and it affected the whole structure of the building. And this is what I want you to understand about this little story, that God has created you for a purpose and if you haven't fulfilled that purpose, he wants to show you what's missing. He wants to show you that wall that you have left out. He wants to show you that piece that's so important because this is what God wants. From the time he created us and saw us in our mother's womb, this is what he wanted. He wanted you to live the best life you could ever live and the best life you could ever live is the life that he created for you to live and the life that he purposed for you to live. And the truth is, we may not see ourselves like God sees us, but he is the one that designed us. He knows what's in us and what's missing that he can add that will change our life. Listen to this scripture that I've pondered over many times in my life. Proverbs 25 and 2. It is God's privilege to conceal things. And the king's privilege to discover them. I put us in the place of the king. We're children of of the Lord now. And there are times that we have to discover things. (laughs) I I wish God would make it plain. I I wish that it would be plain. But the truth is, we may not uh, be able to handle it. I I love that song in that one line. uh, He is the God of David who turned a shepherd boy into a a, a courageous He turned him into a giant killer. He turned him into a king. He he turned him into this. You you know what? When David was just a little boy worshiping God in the field, God didn't say, hey, guess what? You're going to do this, 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 and this because it may have completely freaked David out. He wasn't ready for it. He didn't know he was ready to face a giant until he appeared on the battlefield and said, who is this that is hurling these insults against the living God? I'll go because he, God takes things and he hides them in our life. And so don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Know that we must, in our life, we must trust God. We must believe God and we must follow him. Let me, let me tell you the fourth thing. 
Finding your place requires great initiative. There comes a moment when you have to take that big step forward. And in Esther chapter 4 and verse number 16, this is what she said. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. What a giant of faith that says I'll put it all on the line. Whatever God wants, that's what I'll do. I'll trust him even if I perish. She sets aside worry. She sets aside everything. She takes that step of faith. I I, want to close by just giving you a few words of encouragement that I see from the story of Esther. First of all, everybody listen to me if you don't mind. I know that the team's coming back up. Probably they're coming up at Houston too. Just give me one more minute because I think this is an important statement. When you don't understand, stay steady. When you don't understand, stay steady. Sometimes things don't go our way. I'll just give give a couple of examples from my life. I I felt the call of God in my life from a a young man, but you know what? There's many times that I fell flat on my face when I tried to minister. I, I, I was one time riding in a car with three or four of my friends and we were just having fun and just, you know, one of those guys' nights, you know, uh, I don't want to go into any detail, but it was a guy's night. And we come up on this wreck and there's a couple of guys that were a little older than us and I, I think that they were under the influence of that wacky weed and they had drove off of the road into a ditch and they're laying out on the road and they're, they're, uh, they're injured and, and here we are riding around and, you know, just doing our deal as, as, as young teenage boys. And, and I come upon this and, and, and this guy's laying there and something inside of me starts moving and it comes out of my mouth before I can stop it. And I ask the guy, can I pray for you? And, and, and in my mind, I can still see it. All of my friends were like, hmm? What? It's just a wreck. Just, and, and I can still remember the look on the guy's face. He looks up at me. Here I am, a 16, 17-year-old young man, and he wanted to pray for him, and his leg is all mangled. like, yeah, I guess, if that's what you want to do. And so I lay hands on him. I'm praying for him. Lord, touch him, help him. And, and, and I get through praying, and I look around, and my friends are like, they've taken another step back. You know, it's like, what, what's, what's going on? And it was like, I can't tell you how many times I beat myself up over that, but you know what it was? It was something trying to come out of me that God had put inside of me. It was a failure, but it was something that gave me a little bit of revelation about how I just need to be steady. Just don't, don't give up. And, and can I tell you, I've come up on many other situations where I've prayed for people and, and, and I've never felt that feeling again. But you know what? I'm glad that I didn't stop there. I, I remember the first message that I ever preached It was at Texas Bible College, and I have all of my peers out there, 130, 140 students, female, some of them that I like, guys, some of them I liked. I didn't like all of them for sure. But anyway, they were all there, and and I prepared. They asked me to preach. I, I had 14 notes, 14 pages of notes, 14 pages. It was like a legal pad. I was like a lawyer going up for a winning case. And and I didn't realize it, but they had my mom on the phone. She was listening in. The the faculty is in the back. I walked up 14 pages of notes. I preached four minutes. 
it was on record as the worst sermon that has ever been preached in the history of the world. There was a wall behind me that separated the stage from the choir loft. And, and it was like a modesty wall so that people sitting on the front, you know, they could, it, it, well, it was a modesty wall. And when the sermon was over, I just walked around, I walked around that wall and I got down on my knees and I got down on my face, not because I was praying, it's because I wanted everybody to leave before I had to look them in the eye. It was the worst day of my, well, one of them, a disaster. But you know what? When you're uncertain, you just have to stay steady. You have to get back up. You have to keep going. You have to do what God called you to do. Paul wrote it in Romans, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Second statement that I'm going to make, I want you to listen to this. When you realize God's purpose for your life, you feel empowered. When you realize God's purpose for your life, you feel empowered. It doesn't matter what the plan is. When you realize that God is with you. It doesn't matter how big the dream is when God is with you. And I have to tell you, I'm not trying to in any way talk about myself in a flattering light. I think you know that about me. I'm not trying to be, oh, I'm all that because I'm not. But God has placed some very big dreams in my life. And this is what I've seen. I've seen him help me fulfill those dreams. I've seen him walk with me. I've felt empowered with that. And and I've felt him fulfill those things in my life. This is what Acts chapter 10 says. It's how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Do you know that we have that same promise? promise that he'll never leave us nor forsake us so so when those moments come that I feel the purpose in my life I feel empowered because I know that God is with me last point last two minutes two minute warning when you know that God is in control it's easier to take the first step when you know God's in control it's easier to take the first step. I, I, I can remember some things in my life and um, how, how difficult it was for me to learn those things and, and how the way I learned those things was just by repetition. I, I have a horrible scar on my, the inside of my left ankle because it took me a while to learn how to ride my bike. In one particular time, my foot slipped, went in between the bike rail and the wheel and the little, whatever they're called, sprock, what? Y'all know. (laughs) If you don't know, pray, and I believe God will give you the revelation of what I'm talking about. And it just sliced, just sliced a big piece out. I, I, I didn't like that. But I wanted to ride a bike, so I learned. I learned. I learned how to ride a bike. I remember learning to swim, you know, how, how difficult that was and how 
uh, how, how I would fake it on the shallow end until finally somebody threw me in the deep end and it was swim or sink. And I, I thank the Lord I swam. Well, why, what are you saying? This is what I'm saying. In my life, I have seen God's faithfulness when I couldn't make it. And this is what I've seen as I just continued to walk. If I continue to stay steady, just like the scripture is talking about here, running with the just, just endure. This is what I've learned in my life, that God is faithful. And that when it seems like there is no way that I'm going to be able to make that next step, God shows up. And God helps me. And God brings me through. And I'd like for you to stand with me both here and in Houston. If you're online, stand in your home. I want you to be a part of this. Because I'm standing here in the Friendswood campus and I'm looking at the eyes and the faces of some people that I know. I know that you are going through the difficult battle right now. This, this is what I want you to know. God is faithful. And God will see you through. And when we finally get to that place where we understand, okay, God, you're in control. I don't know how I ended up here. I don't know why this is my purpose in life. I don't know why you've called me to the kingdom for such a time as this. I don't know why any of that happens. But I know that you are in control. And when I realize that God is in control, it's so much easier for me to take that next step of faith. It's so much easier for me to say, I'll step out and I will believe because I trust in Him. Does anybody trust in the Lord this morning? Can I just see your hands? Raise your hands all over the congregation there. In Houston. I trust in Him. Now this is what I like to do. I'd like for in Houston and in here for the prayer team to come and, and I'm going to pray for you. At the end of my prayer, Houston, I'm going to turn you over to Pastor Mike and Friendswood. We'll talk about that in just a moment. I'm going to call you forward. But I just want to pray for you today and ask the Lord to, to help you, whatever you're going through, to trust Him. Amen. Will you close your eyes, bow your head. Let me pray for you today. Lord, thank you so much for everyone that is in this congregation, everyone that is in the Houston congregation, everyone that is watching online. Lord, there's probably people here that are wondering, why am I here? What happened? Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? I pray that even today, dear Lord, that you would just move on the hearts of each and every person that you, O oh Lord, would call them to the, what the plan is that you have for their life. And as they move in courage and as they trust you and as they have this faith, this initiative to take that step forward, I, I just pray, dear Lord, that even today you would walk close to them so they could feel your presence and know that you are in the midst of all of their situations. And I pray right now, dear Lord, that that as we walk forward, uh, as we consider that step of faith that you've called for us to take, 
that there would just be such a trust in you, God, that you have seen us through already so many things that we would say, I will obey, I will follow. I'm here for a purpose and for your plan today, dear Lord, and that your will would be done in our life. I pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, in Jesus' name.